And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 313 of This Old Marketing for March 3rd, 2022. And with me, as always, my friend, my colleague, a guy who's back from vacation and is definitely disappointed that baseball's opening day is canceled, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? Welcome home. Well, thank you so much. As I told you, I would have spent way more weeks in the Bahamas and <laughs> well, in yes, wouldn't we all? Weather. Yes, it was. Thank you. Uh, you know, actually, I, I saw some comments on our Web three special episode. It seemed to I people dug it. Do I, pretty I, well. I think people mostly dug it. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do the news anymore. Maybe we should just comment on weird stuff that we think is somewhat interesting. Which I guess we did. That is the show. That's Anyways. kind of what we do. Yeah. It's, it's, we it couch it around real news. <laughs> we couch it around real news, but yeah. really, it's just a platform for us to get our crazy thoughts. To the to our wonderful audience, how have you? Yeah, Pretty what was much. your two weeks like? Was it was uh, it like crazy? Well, you were like pining to talk over a microphone. Was it? You know, did you miss it? I, you know, I did. Um, first of all, I mean, other than the obvious, which we'll talk about here in a moment, um, which is the, of course, you know, sort of like eclipsing all other news. Yes, exactly. um, you know, uh, um, but generally speaking, yeah, I did miss it, and um, you know, it was. Uh, but the week was good. The you know the week and a half was was good that you were you were gone. You know I got a lot of work done. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Much more productive when I'm not bothering you, right? For the entire um, week. Yeah, you know, and <clears throat> some new things developing. You know that we'll talk about here in a couple of weeks that I've been promising for some time now, and finally getting ready to sort of evolve. Well, I'm uh, very yeah, I'm very excited about. But the stuff, yeah, that you know a little bit on. about yes, it, right? I'm yeah, very, so. very look, much looking forward to it. But just back on to your baseball point, yes, they, I, as you know, I grew up a baseball fan. It was always, I know, I was yes. thinking about you when I saw that happen, hit the news. It's always been the, you know, my number one sport until right. very recently, which I've really become more of a football first. It's really, it's, it's swapped. And this was the year that. For the first time since 1914, I believe that the Cleveland baseball franchise has a new name, moving from That's the Cleveland right. Indians, the Guardians, to the Cleveland Guardians. But yet, there's nothing to guard because there's no game <laughs> being played. This is a problem for baseball because it's already losing popularity with with mostly kids. Yeah. So, I mean, football and base or basketball and soccer and gaming, esports. They're taking over. I don't. Th- I don't think baseball can afford to get into these money battles no. and squabbles. Right. And I think it's well, slowing kill. slowing down. At, you know, slowing down an already slow sport is not. You know, I mean, here here's the thing. the The thing you got to love about baseball is the marathon that it is. Right. You know the 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 length of the season as well as the number of games played and the i mean it was always going to be something that you know you never can spend you know the thing with football is it's 17 games and you know 3 months basically and, and one game gonna, every game is know, important one game right, is that's important right. one game in baseball 
won't kill you. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. So it's always going to be the kind of thing where, you know, like I've, I've said this before to you, it, it, is, is that, you know, I follow baseball kind of like I follow some TV shows, right? I, I read about it in the newspaper and I follow, you know, my team is the Dodgers here that I've, you know, the, you know, I grew up in Texas and had Texas teams, of course, but, you know, I, I became a Dodgers fan, quote unquote, but I don't watch the games, Right. I, I, you know, I follow the box scores yep. and I, you know, and then it gets to playoffs time. And if they're there, I'll watch. Right. But, you know, this kind of thing, slowing things down and canceling games, that doesn't it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the owners. It doesn't help the players. It doesn't help the game. It doesn't help the television. You know, it doesn't help anybody. Well, if you look at. I mean, baseball, the big problem is you have so much of so little of that time is actually gameplay time, right? It's like, oh, I'll throw a pitch. That just took a second. And now right. I got to wait 20 seconds, maybe longer for another pitch. It's 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 so it's so drawn out. It's very difficult. Look at the way that soccer has increased in popularity. They go straight 45 minutes. They do halftime and go another 45 minutes. It's great. Yeah. I mean, right. that's the way that it should be. Football is, for the most part, they're playing. And with that clock moving the way it is, you've got lots of moving parts, lots of things happening. Gaming, esports, same way. You've always got something going on. If you watch anybody stream, if you watch a esports, kind of like if you're watching uh, Valorant and two teams play each other, there's a lot going on. They take like a <laughs> two-minute break, too in, much like a minute yeah, break in between, and then they go and go and go. So, And then you have baseball, where... You know, it it was. It's probably best if you're going with friends to the game and you have discussions about other things. Sure, <laughs> yeah, where you go, right? You go sit for three hours yeah. and you have a nice chat and you eat a hot dog and you drink a couple of beers and oh yes, there's also a game. And going it's a beautiful on. evening. Yeah, it's great to be outside. It, you know, maybe we'll catch a foul ball. Whatever, whatever. It's all good. But yeah, it's tough. It, even, both my kids growing up were very tough for them to sit through a game. Yeah. Unless we just bought them barrages of chicken tenders and french fries, which <laughs> is what we did. And it worked incredibly well, by the way. So, and yeah, That's all so, I really need. That's all I really need. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, I mean, I need some chicken tenders and some french fries. <laughs> and I'm, exactly. I'm That's good. all anyone <laughs> needs. No, by the way, have you seen McDonald's new uh, perfect bundle? Value meal, you got to check no, this I out. Have not seen this. It's this. Oh my god! It's <laughs> so last. So last night, it's late. My wife and I are hungry, and our go-to spot is Taco Bell. Always Taco Bell. It's like, but okay. for some reason, right. we both said I really could go for a Big Mac because sometimes you got to have a Big Mac. So we roll through, and we're gonna each get like a Big Mac combo or whatever. Well, I saw the most beautiful thing in the world. It was this perfect bundle package. <laughs> and I stopped and I said, no, 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 we're not going to uh, order what we were going to order. We're going to order this perfect bundle. Two Big Macs, four fries, two cheeseburgers, and 10-piece chicken tenders for 17 wait, bucks. Wait, wait, say that again? Two Big Macs. <laughs> yeah. Four small fries. Yeah. Two cheeseburgers. So it's a family. It's, you're a supposed to yeah, feed see, a family well, of no, five. No, it's on not that. for a family. It's the perfect bundle, which it could be just for me, <laughs> which it ended oh up being. God. But that's not. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't eat it all at once, but I'm just saying uh, that is a great deal. 
Like, just add up the component. If you had to buy all that separately, it would be $3,700. Oh, my God. But if all together in the perfect bundle, which it came in in a miraculous little p- package as well, a uh, compostable package, <laughs> I want to say, uh, environmentally yeah. friendly here. I'm sure. $16. A miraculous package is, is, is what I heard you say. $16.99 so. $16. for all that, and it was glorious. It was because I just had it for lunch, too. I had... I had a Big Mac last night, and then I had the half the chicken tent, chicken nuggets, okay. and, and the cheeseburger behalf, for lunch. On behalf of the entire this old marketing audience, that's nasty. That's just nasty. <laughs> just nasty. by nasty, you mean incredibly amazing? Like <laughs> what are you talking about? It was great. I don't oh, know why man. I just thought of that. I, my 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 stomach hurts just even thinking about that. Oh, I, I'm not on any diet at this point, as you can tell. I, clearly. But <laughs> that's clearly the well, case. Well, but, you know, if you're on a diet, all you do is you get the Big Mac and you take out the middle piece of bread. That's that's really a diet. That's, <laughs> that's really cutting the calories out. Oh <laughs> yeah. Any, anyways, so... Uh, well, hey, before we get to the show, can I can I talk a little bit about uh, you, Creator Yeah, Economy you should. Yeah, yeah, you got a deadline coming yeah. up here, a big deadline. So today we're recording this. It's Thursday 3-3, which is really weird with the threes. 3-3-3-13, yeah. Episode 3-1-3 on 3-3. So there's something yeah. something amazing is going something to happen. Something amazing is about to happen this in this show. That's correct. So uh, yeah. tomorrow, Friday, 3-4, is early bird deadline for Creator Economy Expo. And I want all of our This Old Marketing listeners to attend if you're at all involved in creating content, which I know most of you are. This is really bent to business owners and content creators who want to become content entrepreneurs. Uh, Obviously, you are involved in this, Robert. I'm so thankful for that. You'll be moderating a couple sessions. Uh, We've got an incredible lineup of speakers. I don't know. Did you take a... um, have a chance to look at all the speakers we have. I have. Well, I you know, and and honestly, one of the things that I'm so excited about is the fact that you know they're they're all you know it's all new to me, right? These are these are new, wonderfully talented content creators that you've got. It's like you know, there's a lot of events that give lip service to this stuff and then bring in the usual suspects of speakers, and you did not go this Thank way. You. You've yeah. gone the experts, the the people who are actually doing it. So it's cool. We we, we tried. Yeah, we tried very. Aside very, from that, Wally Koval. Oh my God, Wally! So guy. see, people don't realize Wally Koval, who's founder of Accidentally Wes Anderson. He worked with us at Content Marketing Institute, and Wally right. is one of the right. one of our favorite people on the planet. And years ago, he's a punk. He's a he's a punk. Well, he's a little bit. He's yeah, but he. I mean. <laughs> You know how how can you go? He's a millennial that just I like yeah, that kind of millennial. He's a lovely man. Uh, I love him to death. So it was so great because you and I he he had dinner with you and I in New York talking about this concept. Yeah, that exactly. became AWA. Accidentally, Wes Anderson. And if you're not familiar with, so Wally's going to be a keynote talking about his story. They've got well over a million followers uh, on Instagram. Best New York Times bestselling book. Amazing content operations that he's got going on there so that yeah you're right everyone that's speaking is a content creator like alicia ether i don't know if you know alicia she goes by leash capiche on tiktok and twitch like i wouldn't be aware of her unless we did an interview with her for um, the tilt for the newsletter and i'm like oh my god she's amazing you know she's got millions of followers all over the place uh in the gaming space 
So I was like, oh, let's get her to speak. And then we've got, you know, Dan Pink, of course, is going to close us out. And Roberto yeah. Blake is yeah. going to open us yeah. up. One of the most incredible YouTubers on the planet. Um, so it, <laughs> and then 30 others, including you yeah. and me. Yeah. So yeah, we're really <laughs> knuckleheads like us. Yeah. So anyways, long story short, May 2nd, 3rd, 4th. May 2nd is opening reception. 3rd, all keynotes. Uh, and we're going to have a great reception that night. Lots of wonderful networking. Fourth, breakout sessions around audience building, revenue generation, content operations. And then, of course, we're going to dip our toe into Web3 business models because we must, as we tend to do on this show as well. Again, tomorrow at the end of the day is early bird deadline close. So go to cex.events and register. Get your best possible price. And I'll, get, I'll tell you what I want. This old marketing listeners to come more than anyone else because we've had this long, wonderful relationship. So if you're interested in coming, you want to go to Phoenix. It's at the Arizona Grand Resort. We're limiting this to just 500 people. If you use the coupon code POLITZI, if you don't know how to spell my last name, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I. <laughs> and then with that code and the early bird lead line by tomorrow, it'll take you down to a $495 rate. So you can wow. get all that for $495. Every a hotel room there is a suite. Uh, we have people, we have families that are coming, you know, they're taking their significant others and their kids. There's a water park there. They're spending five, seven days there. And th for a lot of people, this is their first trip since, you know, before COVID-19. Yeah. So, and we're finally seeing, and by the way, we chose Arizona because we could have a lot of this outside, have the doors open, make sure people feel comfortable, all that stuff. So please go to cex.events. Uh, I'll be there. Robert will be there. We definitely want to see you in person. I love these types of events because it reminds me back to when we launched um, Content Marketing World, Robert, and we had just 600 people. And it was like a family, and we, you know, and we got a chance to talk with everybody. And I'm looking forward to this kind of event again, where you can really build some relationships and get to know people and have good conversations and build a network of, of supporting people that can help you with your, you know, content business and uh, moving forward. So anyways, cx.events, uh, check it out. Would love to see you there. If you have any questions, obviously let me know, but we'll, uh, it should be great. It should, we're yeah, getting a lot of sponsor support, great. which is wonderful. So it seems to be all working out because who knew at the beginning who of this knew? thing? So, yeah. Well, you did, but. Well, <laughs> I did not expect, if you had asked me six months ago, as I told people on the show, I did not expect to launch another event. But right. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I can't yeah. even say anything because my wife just shakes her head and she just thinks <laughs> right. I'm the biggest idiot yes. in the world because I can't stop launching things. She's like, what yeah. is wrong with you? Can't you just retire like normal people? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't. Yeah. So it's cruises and, and launching events. That's Cru cruising that's and launching I'm events. That's, yeah, I'm, yeah, there you go. I'll go on a cruise that's... anytime and I have to launch stuff. So, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, you sent me a list of 17 articles that we, we got have a to lot talk to talk about. about. There's, yeah, there's a lot of news. To, there is a lot of news to talk about. Um, we are going to spend just a skosh of time here uh, recognizing more than anything else and acknowledging the <clears throat> giant, um, you know, elephant in the room that has sort of well, quite literally invaded uh, all of us, um, which is uh, the the Russian and Ukraine uh, situation. 
And we'll talk a little bit about that because it does actually have some relevance to our audience and certainly to um, certainly to the world and and uh, and what's going on in, in the world of content and marketing and and crypto and all sorts of things. Um, but we'll also move and and quickly talk about uh, NFTs in the metaverse. Um, I know that's a huge shock to most of you, <laughs> but a couple of acquisitions uh, in the last week and launches, um, specifically by Salesforce, um, might just start to make things real here. And so we should talk about that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about native advertising and how new ad works from retailers, uh, or I should say ad networks from retailers are coming together to reach younger people. And then we'll talk about TikTok, of course, and how it might better be described these days as TED Talk. Uh, I totally oh, stole nice. that line from Tom Webster. See that? Tom Webster did that. That's coming, a Tom, you got that's it. That's a Tom Webster yeah. joke. Yeah, that's a Tom Webster joke. And then if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about uh, LeBron and his moving his barbershop show uh, a little bit. Um, why? Because, well, it's LeBron and we got to talk about LeBron. Um, I'm going to rant about who should get credit on advertising campaigns uh, and then rave a little bit about white guys on podcasts. Um which would That's be so, an interesting thing. So um, and Joe, you're uh, you're going to talk about a conversation you had with Michael Stelzner. Yes, um, absolutely. And, and um, some of the interesting things going on in the world of Web three and those kinds of things. So yes. let's get to it. Let's because we got a lot to get to. And there's going to be a ton of links in the show notes, folks. So just so just so you know, there's going to be lots and lots of links there if you're interested in finding these things. Um, we'll skip around quite a bit, I'm sure. Um, but we'll start with just acknowledging, of course, that, um, well, uh, in case there's um, there's no chance at all that you've missed this in the news because it's been everywhere. But, of course, uh, Russia has uh, commenced its invasion and as literally as we record, this is still uh, in the throes of, of really awful fighting uh, in the streets and in the towns of Ukraine. Um, and, you know... We're hearing about it as well. So much to our very great blessing, we have friends and fans um, of this show in the area um, who have been tweeting to us, who have been sending us emails, who have been sending us direct messages on LinkedIn um, about things going on there. Um, about things that are that are really happening versus what is being said is about happening. And there's a couple of things for us to explore, Joe, which is <clears throat> one, is the misinformation. Yes. Um, there was a Twitter uh, post by the CEO of Yandex, the second largest search engine in Russia, and talking about misinformation, um, what's going on there, uh, about um, the way that Russian media is positioning their invasion of Ukraine. Um, and maybe, um, according to an Axios article that we'll, we'll link to, um, maybe this is the tipping point for propaganda and disinformation because we're actually now starting to see some of the, certainly here in the West, the U.S. Um, media outlets start to put the hammer down a little bit on some of this stuff. Um, and then, you know, we've gotten some things around the idea of, there's a tweet um, that uh, you sent me actually about uh, 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 one of our friends and family in in, uh, in the Ukraine, um, or in Ukraine, let me forgive me for that, um, uh, talking about crypto and how credit cards in the Ukraine don't really work any longer. So now... Um, basically they've, they've 
switched over to crypto as a main currency. Anyway, lots to sort of comment on there. I don't know where you want to start. Well, I think just with what you left out, I thought that that tweet basically was saying, hey, I can't do anything with banks anymore in Ukraine. And so what do I do? You know, there's no ATMs aren't open. I've got no cash. And basically said, I'm keeping myself and my family alive through Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it's very similar to what happened in, I believe it was 2013 in Cyprus, when the banks turned in Cyprus and said, uh, you know, they basically were in major debt. They were working on a deal with the EU and they went to the banks and they said, okay, well, banks, I'm sorry, but 50% of all of your, the money that you have from your customers needs to go to us. We need your money. So basically, if you had a savings account in Cyprus at the time, they would just take your money. So this is a little bit different, but what it shows you is, and and by the way, this is happening not just because of Russia, Ukraine. This is happening because of now all the sanctions, all the banks doing what they're doing based on the government regulations. And I guess the- Sure. It's starting to add, the Russian side is starting to do it as well. They've actually threatened to go all crypto, all in on crypto. It's Well, it's interesting because, okay, again, it's not perfect. Uh, It is, in a lot of cases, you might think that it's risky, but the thing with crypto is it's non-sovereign- and theoretically can't be manipulated. Whereas every other currency that's run by a sovereign entity in the world can be, if not is, manipulated. And we're seeing it happen right in front of our eyes. So in that case, what do you do? So it's just interesting that it's happening right now in Ukraine where, okay. So that's where you and I have talked about, we don't know the future of Web3. We don't know the future of the token. Where is this going to go? Where are the business models? What we're seeing firsthand, here's a use case for where it comes in handy to be off the grid, if you will, and not within the current centralized financial system. So Right. But in bo- on both sides, right? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Which is really interesting. Absolutely. It's a you know, it's a fascinating thing to me to watch because, you know, you're you're seeing, you know, the theory seems to be that oligarchs could do this just as easily as, you know, some of the the sort of more consumer focused people in Ukraine are doing it. And that you could see a rise in crypto value, um, you know, in the short term, certainly as as more sort of currencies get dumped into there. Um, Now, interestingly, I think what you also saw was a lot, you know, so where, you know, one of the things that is fascinating is one that Switzerland actually said, yeah, no, we're not neutral this time. (laughs) This is this is this is not going to go on in our watch. We're we're actually shutting this these bank accounts down. And then also to see Russia get kicked off the SWIFT system, SWIFT which system. is, yep. you know, which is incredibly powerful <clears throat> for everything from e-commerce to, you know, just moving money back and forth between that's, banks. That's huge. And then, of course, that just, this just happened. I just saw it on the news where Germany took uh, one of the Russian uh, billionaires' boats, yachts, just confiscated it. I mean, it's – yeah. can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, it's – it's amazing how this is affecting the, you know, if you're a billionaire, there's a lot of billionaires in Russia. Can you imagine? A, what lot, you're, a lot. I mean, they're taking their boats down to, you know, they're getting as far away as they can because nothing is sacred. Um, so it's, yeah, it, this is, I've, you know I haven't what? seen anything. I haven't seen anything like this financially happen in my time. Cause it's always, when you, when you think about war as terrible as it is, you, you sometimes you forget that it's the financial sanctions that sometimes hit the hardest. 
Sure. Well, and especially these days, right, where <clears throat> because of technology, money moves so freely. And the interesting the, – so here's some here's, – this is a genuine question I have. I don't – I really don't understand this, which is, you know, you think about what's going on right now, and the next step, of course, and we'll see if it actually happens or not, is for the banks themselves where – all these billionaires have their money, um, which, you know, are in, you know, U.S. banks, Swiss banks, yeah. you know, you know, Hong Kong banks, you know, all, all, all over the place, I'm sure. As they start trying to move money around because of sanctions and they start moving money between, you know, it's not that you can't track that. That's easy enough to find out. And, you know, you have somebody like HSBC or, you know, or, you know, a, 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 you know, wherever the bank go, nope. We're not we're not giving you access to that. Now all of a sudden, you know this. You know, as has been spelled out in many of the articles I've read on this, that's like you know that's sort of the you know if if billionaires can't access their their money in any way, right? Move it via SWIFT, but also can't even access it in their own accounts. Then that would cause real pressure. Here's the thing: from both the tactical invasion side which I am not an expert in. I have zero expertise in there. So just to be very, very clear. And then on the money side, on the business side, I I just have to imagine that before he went in, before he made this decision, Putin had to have accounted for that, right? I mean, didn't he? I mean, are are we really in a place where this this would be a surprise to him? on both how difficult it is to actually occupy a country the size of Ukraine and, and, or actually, you know, so it's like, I have to make the assumption that he's smarter than the average chicken, right? So that he accounted for this and that, which makes me even more scared to say, if he accounted for all this, what's the end game? Yes, exactly. Right. That's the, my, that's my concern as well, because he would have had to account for this unless you would have thought right unless again i'm not an expert at all please don't take this as anything but i unless he thought that maybe china would would take his side but china's i think smart enough to say look we're not going to hurt our financial relationships with the rest of the world in the united states and they're not going to do that there's no way so you've got russia all by yourself and of course the ruble just collapsed so the right. money is is almost worthless there now. I and then and then to your point, Putin, the Russia has their reserves outside of Russia. They can't access them. Right. And you can't get any services outside anyways to buy anything. So Right. I I don't that I you could have should have seen it coming. I'm sure they've got smart people looking at this. I don't get the whole thing. I don't get I, I it just yeah, that's what that's what just baffles me about this whole thing because I mean, somebody. This was a post that I saw on, um, uh, I think it was Reddit or something, um, that actually posed this. It, it, it's so far out there that you go, huh? It, it actually, it's so far out there it makes you think. Which was, the the post was basically the end game here is you go, you invade Ukraine, you fail purposely fail to get it. You pull everybody back after much death and destruction and awfulness. You pull it back. What happens is Ukraine then says, 
gets confidence and says, yay, we're awesome. We, we beat back the, the, the Russian horde and then say, we're so awesome. In fact, we don't need to be part of NATO. So they don't join NATO. And then basically Russia gets what it wants, which is Ukraine not joining NATO. And you go back to, you know, sort of, and I, and I looked at that and I went, that's some like 69D chess, you know what I mean? But it, it, it seems so far out there to be unrealistic to me. I just, I haven't heard anybody give me a rational view of what a smart person would be thinking about what's the end game for Russia yeah. here. Because they're clearly not going to occupy Ukraine for years and years. Like, you know, we occupied Iraq or, you know, anything like that. I mean, that's just clearly not going to happen. So what, you know, where, do, where does it go? I guess is yeah, the point. I, I don't know. I, the only thing that I can, the only thing that it made me think of is when, and you and I talked about this on the show, but when President Trump would say something crazy or do something crazy, it always ended up being a distraction technique for something right. else. Like not a, yes. not a stupid person. He had, had an idea of what was going on. I'm going to make this crazy move over here because I'm moving, I'm moving my pawn or I'm moving my knight in a different direction. Right. And well, here's so basically he has a hundred crazy things, one of which I want to come true, right? I, in other words, you just pour so much crazy shit on the table yeah. that basically everybody's distracted by everything. And so that one crazy thing that you actually want to happen, that you make happen, everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's just part of his crazy stuff, yeah. right? If you just poured the one thing out, everybody would have freaked out and, you know, and, and gone nuts. But, but because you've poured, you've, in, you've filled the entire table full of crazy stuff, it, it's, 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 you know, it, it, it's hard to know what to pick. But you know, so the the two things coming out of this for for this show would be one is yeah. there's there's a financial issue that we're seeing play out in front of us, and then yeah. the other one that you brought up, which is really important, is this disinformation or no information yeah. getting right. out on certain channels. And again, that's why it plays to I think smaller content creators and influencers, because if you have state run media. Or biased media run by certain entities that can't or won't show. Th- and by the way, I'm not just talking about Russia. I'm talking about everywhere oh, right, around exactly. the world. As yeah, we know, yeah. if you look yeah. in, there are people showing things and not showing things that they should or shouldn't be. And it's crazy what's going on. And that's where a lot of the trust comes into who's on the ground, who's the who's that person that I trust that's going to give me the right information. And it's so funny how that level of trust has continued to move away from traditional media outlets to smaller players. Yeah. And I think that's going yeah, to be the case for a long time. I, I just can't see because there's so, there's so many different, um, different levers you're pulling and pushing on in traditional media. And you've got so many, so much politics behind it. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, but it is amazing to see how much of this is actually happening. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't, it the other thing that has baffled me is that how anyone could come down on the other side of this right you know where but i've actually seen in my facebook feed from you know people that i'm relatively acquainted with from the days gone by who have said stuff like you know ukraine must be hiding something right 
that Russia would have never, you know, Putin would have never invaded them if they if they weren't hiding something. So, you know, we need to wait till everything comes out before we make a judgment on this. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way any of this works. So it's yeah. I'll tell you it's, what. It's it's there, a, there's a, I don't know the name of it. I'll have to find it. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But there is an amazing documentary. Of course, I love documentaries. It's on Netflix. Maybe you remember the name of it. It was on the dope, the Russian doping scandal when they the, when they had the Winter Olympics. What was it like, ten or twelve years ago, something like yeah. that? The elaborate things that they did and went through so that they could swap out blood samples was incredible. They go through the whole process and they show the secret doors and how you know they'd yeah. make the switch and whatever. You know, it's called Icarus. <laughs> Icarus, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Did you see it by chance? Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I didn't see yeah. it. Yeah. It's 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 fascinating so that you <laughs> understand what certain people I mean, this is what you know, somebody like Putin does. So yeah. it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. So Well, for all of you out there that are in and or near the area, know that we're thinking Absolutely. about you and know that we're we're feeling for you and, and um, you know, there's 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 I don't know that there's much we can do. I mean you know, there are some things we can do about, you know, certainly spreading the word, but, but, you know, but, uh, we are, we are thinking about you very, very much. I'm not going to say the stupid hearts and prayers thing. That's just dumb, but, but, you know, but we're, but we're very much sending, you know, sending you all the love that we have and, and, and thinking about you very much. And, so and, yeah, th- um, this is over as quickly as possible. As, absolutely. All right. Moving on now to our next story, which is actually a little more akin to what we normally talk about here, which is about NFTs, the metaverse. And it's really starting to actually, interestingly, take some shape here. So two stories that we'll cover <clears throat> in the show notes, one from TechCrunch um, that just fascinated me. Um, which is Epic Games. So you know the big gaming sure. company, Epic Games. They make Fortnite. They make a, a number of things. Um, just bought an entire Bandcamp, and it's not even Friday, says the headline. Uh, happy Bandcamp Wednesday, says Fortnite maker Epic Games. They're treating themselves to an entire Bandcamp. The music download site Bandcamp announced the acquisition in a blog post today, adding that it will continue to function as a standalone entity with co-founder CEO Ethan Diamond at its helm. We share a vision of building the most open, artist-friendly ecosystem in the world, and together we'll be able to create even more opportunities for artists to be compensated fairly for their work, Diamond wrote in the post. The relatively business-as-usual approach includes the continued operation of Bandcamp's marketplace, the community, the editorial product, the daily as a standalone entity. So they are a media company, after all. Um, And that's the interesting thing here, um, which is... So the article actually goes on and says basically that it's a strange odd weird acquisition and i actually yeah think, i want to hear your take um go ahead i've totally perfect acquisition we're going to pair this by the way i'm going to come back and talk about my my feelings on the Bandcap acquisition but we are going to pair this with another story that uh comes to us courtesy of martech.org uh, which talks about the idea that salesforce the b2b company of course giant b2b company who just had a crushing quarter by the way just absolutely crushed it um basically announced that they are going to launch an NFT cloud service um, for marketers. Um, and there's been some interesting sort of pushback there from the employees about NFTs and environmental issues and stuff like that. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But back to the Bandcamp thing. Um, the reason that this is so cool is, so remember Fortnite. So Fortnite 
two or three years ago was you downloaded it and you went and you played it because you could shoot your friend in the face, right? But now Fortnite is at Fortnite is actually more of a concert venue than anything else. I mean, artists like Ariana Grande, um, a whole bunch of artists have done virtual concerts in Fortnite, um, very successfully, by the way. So this to me is such a perfect acquisition for Epic Games to start to bring music from lower, you know, sort of lower unknown and as yet unpopular necessarily artists into a true metaverse, which is their Fortnite sort of world, open world, and start making different ways of listening and accessing and buying music available through the Fortnite metaverse. And those two things together make for a very, very interesting new offering from Epic Games, which is now not only getting into the game business, but clearly getting into the music business as well. So a fascinating, that's why I didn't so see, I didn't see that connection there, but I, I can now, you know more about how they're using Fortnite in that way. I, I did not, I did not see that. I, I looked at it more for Epic Games is all about um, looking for the opportunities in the creator economy. And this is obviously one in music. And I, I, consider them that they will go after more of these types of sites not just music but every kind of creation yeah well they basically late last year they started this they have a whole music series right they called it their sound wave series um which is all sorts of uh shows really was the best way to put it um featuring artists from around the world um and you can experience this these artists in, in the you know within the Fortnite game like within the you know so you go to an island one of the islands is a non-competitive non-fight island and you can go watch these performances right so you can do you know you can see Travis Scott Ariana Grande um, and but basically now they're giving this sort of the the this creative mode if you will um, to build like little worlds in there where you can actually go have an entire music festival Right where you can go, so see a bunch of music and you know see the artists and see the you know see the um, hear the music and buy the music within the yeah. the whole thing. It creates an entire experience, which is 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 coming. Now, if you're if you're epic, what do you need? Well, we need content, right? We need we need the music, you know, because we can go because you know it, this. Think about the the Netflix challenge, right? So Netflix started out by licensing all of this music. To say, hey, we're going to license all this music, you know, and or excuse me, license these movies and show the movies. But what did they do? They got into the original music business or the movie business. Here's Epic doing the exact same thing, building an experience where they were licensing music, I'm sure, from the big stars and will continue to do that for some time. But now they can develop original music from unknown artists through Bandcamp. And basically feature these this new music in a new way, and basically create original programming. It's an yeah, it's an interesting concept. I again, I think you're going to see they have a. I'm pretty sure they have a lot more cash that they can spend. Oh God, too. They've, yeah, they're yeah, yes. They I think you're going to see see much more of that happen. I I think the Salesforce, the the Mashable Salesforce 
uh, title here. It says, even Salesforce's own employees think its NFT plans are dumb. I thought that was a great headline. Yeah, exactly. Do you agree with that? Do you? Uh, What do you think about the Salesforce thing? I think they announced it too early. I think I th- I th- I think this is a this is a press trying release to that got out news. ahead of itself. Yes. Exactly. They're, they're trying to trying to catch a little bit of news jacking here, especially coming on the heels of their amazing earnings uh, re- report. Uh, you know, I think they just they got out ahead of themselves here, and and because of course this is an area they should be exploring. Of course, it's an area right that they should be looking at. And building and thinking about building products for, um, and I think they just the 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 you know the effort to publicize it and market it got out ahead of itself. So yeah, I mean it's not terribly difficult for them to do. I mean they have the infrastructure to do it. They could they could literally go out and buy somebody tomorrow, right. and that's probably what's going to happen here. Is that we're going to see that Salesforce buy somebody. Um, and, you know, by the way, they could, I, I, I'm not sure of the financials here, but, you know, could Salesforce swallow up OpenSea? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yes, that, I, that's, um, a, that's, that's a good possibility. But to your point, why go out and say that there's a report of NFT, of Salesforce's NFT service coming? I'm like, why even do that? You're right. They right. were just trying to jump on this web three optimism which in a lot of cases is not optimism right now there's a lot of suspect and well that's the thing right it's like you know why you know it's that whole what's that classic i think it's an abraham lincoln attributed quote that basically says or mark twain i forget it's like you know you can shut up and let the world think you're a fool or you can open your mouth and prove it um and this is kind of the this is kind of that right which is there's no there was no reason for them to make this announcement public unless they have it now they didn't really do it publicly this was clearly an a, a this was a, a an open call to employees like this wasn't a huge press release out to the public or anything this was a call to that got leaked of course yeah. um but you know but then you know without really thinking it through about what the push pushback is. I mean, this is the classic thing I talk to clients about all the time, which is you have to, you have to think about the implications of the whole story, right? In other words, when you think about the point of view or the story that you're going to put out into the world, you have to think about what, what are the implications? What are you going to, you know, what, what is going to be your message for those who push back on the story? And you have to think it through, and they just clearly didn't. Well, if you look at the the internal letter that went out, which was imploring uh, Salesforce executives not to do this NFT thing, came from, it says, the internal letter, which over 400 employees have signed, says the amounts of scams and fraud in the NFT space is overwhelming. We implore you to reconsider. Now, great. I I agree. You and I are on the same page with them not coming out with, we might do something. And of course, it wasn't formal, but don't say anything unless you're actually ready to launch something. But that said, the... The exact thing in this letter that employees have signed, the amount of scams and fraud in the NFT space is overwhelming. That's a reason why Salesforce should be involved. Exactly. Because they can bring credibility to it. What's happened over the past two years with crypto? You've had every major financial institution in the world get involved in crypto now, which has legitimized it. That's why you saw 72 Super Bowl commercials around it. Because everyone sees it as, oh, it's okay now. Everybody's all the big players are involved. Everybody's trying to get their money now, right? 
So it was, oh, it's okay. Well, in the NFT space, it's not there yet. This is still Wild Wild West, if you want to call it that. And so somebody like a Salesforce coming in, and I guess a lot of, I don't know what an NFT service, cloud service means. Like nobody knows what that is. But I I think if you you understand what an NFT is, the underlying smart contract, the, the digital asset is not on chain. It's too expensive to put it on chain. It's linked off site. So... You That's have right. all your smart contract hosting. and you, it's, it's web yeah, you get your certificate of yeah. authenticity, right? Here's what I own. Here's what I get. All this blah, blah, blah. That's right. And then there's a link outside to somebody else's uh, AWS, if you will. It says, here's your image. Yep. So, yes. Could that go to a, you know, NFT AWS service kind of thing that Salesforce would run? Sure. Does it make sense to have it in the marketing and sales area because brand people in the next five years are going to go crazy with this stuff? Absolutely. Makes perfect sense to do this. They That's just right. didn't have to talk about it yet. So I like the That's idea. Right. Salesforce, Salesforce should exactly absolutely right. do it. And, 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 and you're, it's such a great point that you just made because when and if the messaging comes out, the messaging could and should be arguably depending on timing and of course this is just all you know uh hypothesis at this point the message is the message just to your point could have been the world needs a trusted provider right. of this scam free right? nft exactly you know and just as they lived up to their sort of disruptive trust that they created in software as a service in 2000 they could create a level of brand trust in nfts in the cloud in 2022 and but it's just yeah it's just the message got ahead of itself yeah exactly and open by the way as as the largest marketplace for this thing i mean this is under a lot of scrutiny right now they're growing so fast there are bugs as with any growing company yeah Yeah, exactly people losing you know Big bucks. Well, I mean, it gets out yeah. in the news, and you figure out, okay, what happened? Was it a phishing thing? Was it an open sea thing? Right. There's a yeah. lawsuit going on, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. So, so that's where I think the employee letter is funny, saying we don't want you to consider because there's so much opportunity in this space. That's exactly what they're saying. Like what? Yeah. Well, thank God you employees aren't taking over our global strategy, because wherever <laughs> there's chaos is opportunity. <laughs> So whatever. Oh, that's exactly right. (laughs) So yes, of course, we're going to stick with the horse and buggy. I think that'll work just fine. So let's not innovate. Yeah. Much more to come on this for sure on both sides. So just very, very interesting on, on both sides of this, of this coin as it were. See what I did oh, there nice. on this coin? Yeah, yeah there we go. All right, let's cover one more story before we get to rants and raves here, which we're going to skip one and go right to the TikTok stuff because it's uh, fascinating. Um, so if you didn't see the news, folks, uh, TikTok for not everybody, not yet and everybody, but uh, for some people has now bumped up the video length uh, to 10 minutes. Um, this coming courtesy of the Morning Brew uh, that put out the article and basically says that TikTokers uh, have become very popular for hyper short pieces like 30 seconds, 90 seconds. And now they will uh, be able to do things that are 10 minutes long in the animated GIF meme that they put as the hover hitter here's Tom Hanks going, oh my God, we're going to be here till 10 o'clock at night being 
yes, now TikTok is going to basically consume our lives. Um, we're going to pair this, by the way, because it's totally related with a breaking really news story, which just happened yesterday, actually, um, this coming courtesy of CNET. Um, TikTok announces uh, it's got TikTok Live, and it will feature now a new hour-long sketch comedy show called Staple View. Uh, the stars of the upcoming weekly show include Gray Fagan and Grace Ryder, who have 7 million followers between them, um, and that TikTok has assembled this cast of TikTokers to star in fully produced sketch comedy show on TikTok Live called Staple View. The show will premiere Thursday, meaning today as we record this, on a dedicated channel on TikTok Live, according to a report from Deadline. The show will be created and executive produced by Sam Gray, who is the executive producer of the war comedy drama Whiskey Tango Froxtrot, perfect for sketch comedy, I guess, uh, and comedy brother Nature. Uh, it is uh, described as a modern take on sketch comedy in variety show formats featuring a collection of popular individual content creators, which is about the most PR press releasey thing yeah. I've seen in a long time. So um, what say you about the 10 minutes and about the new sort of expansion of content here to an hour-long series on TikTok. When Anybody going to watch an hour-long series on TikTok? Yes, absolutely. Uh, because TikTok is not just a short-form social media platform anymore. TikTok is a fully functional, multidisciplinary media company. Uh, they will get into everything. If you want my prediction on it, they, you know, says TikTok bumps up max video length to 10 minutes. That will be infinity. They will bump it up to whatever. <laughs> it's going to be whatever. Good content can be as long as it needs to be or as short as it needs to be. It doesn't matter. And TikTok is going to, has the platform for this. They have the audience. And they will offer that just like YouTube uh, is any length. You could see a 15-second, 10-second thing on YouTube. Or you could see a five-hour docudrama on YouTube. There's no difference. People will watch it for yeah. they have their own preferences set up. And TikTok knows its audience probably better than anyone else in the world. And they will figure out how to serve the right content to the right people because they're, and nobody gets their algorithm, but it's amazing. So yeah, yeah, that's my take. It is yeah. amazing. The only thing TikTok that, that really I can't figure out yet and what their play is, their creator pay is so much lower than somebody like a YouTube. They, of course, could just bring that up. But, but because... Their findability is so much better than YouTube and their discoverability. They're able to share less of that because creators want to be found more than anything else. So it's interesting that they can get away with that because it's they're quite so good. amazing to me. Yeah, it's quite amazing to me. Do you find yourself happy? So, so I've obviously been watching some TikTok here and there and, you know, and sort of killing some time with it and all that kind of thing. The conversation that you end up having with someone else about TikTok, and, I, and it's fascinating to me that inevitably your conversation turns to, ah, what's in your TikTok feed, right? And it tells you about the person's personality. I, I was just listening to uh, the Pivot podcast where Kara Swisher and, and Scott Galloway were having this exact conversation where they're like, she was like, well, what's in your TikTok? And he's like, well, I get dog videos uh, and then I get uh, people talking about, as he put it, people talking about social justice who aren't wearing a bra. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's God, like, and, and Kara then started to tease him a little bit about his, you know, his taste in content. And she said, ah, I get like home improvement videos and uh, also, uh, you know, um, sort of, you know, videos about uh, LGBTQ issues. 
and and like my TikTok right now anyway seems to be all about the sort of you know stopping people in the middle of the street with the you know the the cops you know and they're sort of you know asserting their rights to not give them their ID for whatever reason I get tons of that and of course dog videos it just to, the the algorithm is so good in terms of keeping you engaged that you it, it really starts to tell you a little bit about your personality as you start using it it's like it's it's a fascinating thing it's the it's the one service that i i haven't opened yet i'm not on tiktok you should be scared you really should be because it's a it's a time suck it will well what's interesting so i'll I'll tell you what's happened so so i'm friends all my friends we're all golfers i have this group and we have this texting group so we're all sending texts to each other we go on a golf trip with each other whatever we're generally between the ages of 45 and 55 and yeah when this group started 10 years ago and there's texting you know of course it, it started out links to articles and then it started then it went to like facebook videos and youtube videos and now every one so there's a random tweet here and there but almost everyone's a tiktok video that i'm getting now it's just interesting yep, to course. see that oh it's yeah no no it's it's a it's absolutely a shift but like people but but the, but gen z's not getting upset because you know everyone else is taking over tiktok too it's different because you each get your own personal feed right that's right that's right. Yeah, you get your you get your your feed, right? What you see is for you. It's just it's a fascinating thing. Like my wife's is completely different. Like her TikTok, like she tells me about all these TikTok videos that she's seeing, and I'm, and she's like, "Have you seen this one?" I'm like, "No, I don't even know what that is." She's like, "Wow, that seems like it's really popular." And I'm like, "No, it's popular for you. It's it's not popular for," and it's just it's a very genius. Thing. It's it's amazing what they've been able to do. Yeah. So, anyways, yes, I I. I think yeah. that TikTok is doing all, they're doing all the right things and they're taking advantage of the popularity that they have right now. And nobody seems to care that it's a Chinese company in the United States and nobody seems to care that they don't pay creators much of anything right now. So prediction, prediction in the next six months, we start talking about that more. Oh, we start talking pay about the Chinese. data, the access, the privacy and, and yeah, and TikTok and the Chinese thing. It's going to come up. It's definitely going to come up. Well, whether it'll do something or not, I don't know. No, I don't know either, but we're going to, we will talk about it. That's my prediction. Well, I don't know. It seems like we've passed the point of no return with privacy. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know about that. I, th- I think that stuff's coming. I think we would be talking a lot more about it. But we already it have, for, for you, we already right have a GPS we, yeah. device on us at all times that any company can locate where we are. They have that. Yeah, data. but the fact that it, it it but it made I don't know if you saw the State of the Union speech. It made the State of the Union speech. Targeted data and targeted advertising to kids made the State I of the know, Union but speech. That's when been, it makes the State of the Union speech, it's gonna be a it's thing. It's been an, that's been talked about for a long time, but nothing I know. I know okay. I know. And maybe I'm just being Pollyanna about it, but but I do believe well, it's Well, you're Polly or Anna. I don't know sure. if you're both. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on, yeah. folks, to our rants and rave section so that we stay a little bit on time here uh, and talk about something in the news or something that makes us a little bit into a rant or a little bit into a rave to make us feel like, oh, baseball's starting or baseball's dying or something along that effect. Do you want me to go first? I'll go, I'll go, go first because I'd love, I want, okay. I want to hear your, your take on this. I just wanted to give a shout out. We've talked about Mike Stelzner's podcast, Crypto Business. I was able to. To yeah. be a guest on it, it uh, the episode released this week. We'll put it in the show notes. It's called Beyond. So it's Crypto Business Podcast. 
And the title of this episode is Beyond Art Using NFTs for Access. So basically we talked about, you know, my my thinking around non-fungible tokens and the benefits and offerings behind them much more than the piece of art and, and as, as an overpriced JPEG. So we talk about a couple business models. I'd go through the, the VFriends business model. I go through our never-ending ticket business model, why we made certain decisions, what I would do differently when launching these things. So if you're trying to figure out what the long-term business model is for this thing, so I went through it on that podcast and he's doing a great job with it. So and seems to be very successful uh, launch with the with that podcast, and he's had a lot of our friends on it already. So, the, yeah. so just a little shout yeah, out there. And I like I've been listening. I like to this. I I have not listened to your episode yet, but I have been. It's next on my for my walk. I'm I'm going to listen to it probably today. Well, I like this yeah. episode. I like the way that Michael set it up because there's too many people out there that think about this overpriced JPEG as an NFT. And we initially go through and say, yes, that's a thing. That was phase one of this thing. Where are we going now? And we talked about what are the different applications right now that we see in front of us and what's the future of what this is going right. to be. So, and I think there is a thing. And again, we talked about it. I don't even know if it's going to be called NFTs. It's not. It's going to be something else. We're just going to call it what it yeah. is. But it's going to have that technology backbone. So, yeah. anyways, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, what do you got? You got a whole bunch of stuff. No, I, I have one, I have two little things um, th- there, and I put them together purposely, and it'll make it'll totally make sense when when you hear sort of the full thing. So my rant, and just heads up, I, I know this is going to be unpopular. Um, uh, this is this is I, I I rarely I think do this, but. I'm pretty sure this was this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but it's a rant nonetheless. Um, so last week, while we were out, uh, while you were out, uh, ostensibly, and then it has emerged a little bit again this week. Um, so the CEO of Coinbase took a took a victory lap um, on the Super yeah. Bowl commercial, and of course, we talked about the Super Bowl commercial, which was ostensibly just a QR code floating around the screen like a DVD screensaver. Uh, and basically he took a victory lap in a Twitter thread and the Twitter thread in one of the tweets, uh, basically said they were patting themselves on the back about how genius they were and how wonderful they are and how amazing they do things and all of that. And in one of the tweets in the Twitter thread, which was 10 or 12 tweets long, he said agencies would never do this. Um, and so that created quite a stir, um, because then, uh, Kristen Cavallo, who is the CEO at the Martin Agency, then responded on Twitter, basically saying, but an agency actually did do that, um, calling out the fact that uh, they actually hired Extensure Interactive to do the ad, um, but that it, it, it itself, the idea was uh, an idea that had been pitched to him theoretically by their agency as well. And she even pointed to page numbers in their pitch deck where they actually pitched this kind of idea. In her response, she said, look, I'm not trying to take credit for it because I know good ideas come from different people. Um, and But basically her point was that she was trying to say, you know, agencies should get credit, right? Agencies should get the credit for this, and, and you're disparaging agencies um, and the, all the wonderful work that they do by not admitting that. And then she clarified that because, of course, she got lots of you know, hurrahs from the agency world for, for doing that, although I would note that Accenture Interactive stayed very quiet about it. Um, the, then she went on her LinkedIn and posted a more lengthy uh, post basically saying why she did it. 
And and the post itself got 800 and something comments and went a bit viral. And it's all basically everybody's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying this because people need to hear this, that agencies need credit and creative ideas need to be credited and blah, blah, blah. So here's my unpopular opinion. I, I, I come down on the opposite side of this, uh, you know, and, and to be, you know, I, I come with a little bit of the experience here. You know, I've been on the agency side and consulting side of marketing, creative, and digital for 30 plus years now. So I've worked in big consulting firms. I've worked for small agencies. I've worked on my own as a consultant. I've worked, you know, in in services and, and product businesses. I know a little bit about this stuff. There is a mantra that I grew up with anyway. I don't know if it's the same way anymore, but the mantra that we always grew up with when we were in the agency world is the client always gets the credit. Always. End of story. Done. Right? So the fact that Accenture is like not coming up and going, yeah, we came up with this idea is like tells me something. To me, she's bringing up this and she has every right to by the way she has every right to bring it up and say hey by the way we pitched this to you and you shouldn't have said that um but it, it reminds me so much of the the fact that you know agents that i mean there's a great scene by the way in mad men where this exact scenario plays out right where peggy comes into uh the office and and is and is talking to um, you know the the, the 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 they're having this conversation and she says basically I never get credit and he says that's what the money is for <laughs> and so <laughs> the, right the reason that 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 clients go and pay the money and the reason that it's usually a work for hire and the reason that it, you get the money is because they're the ones who make the decision to actually put their reputation on the line with whatever creative they decide, right? The agency doesn't lose their reputation if the ad goes sideways. So the client always got the credit, always, to, to me. Now, having said that, I don't think that Armstrong, who is the CEO of Coinbase, had any, it was ridiculous. To take a victory lap on, on a piece of creative that goes out for a Super Bowl commercial is just redonkulous. Um, you know, you let the work speak yeah, for exactly. itself. Um, and he did use the word we a lot. Um, so his really only stupidity here was saying that the ad agency would have never done this. That just was unnecessary. But, you know, this goes again to this idea of, you know, you can, you know, you can let the world think you're kind of nutty and not say anything, or you can prove it and sort of say it. With this, if I'm Kristen Cavallo, the CEO of Martin Agency, if I'm her marketing person or PR person, I'm going, this gets you nothing other than a bunch of comments from inside baseball people saying you're awesome. Because what clients see in that, what clients see in your post is, ah, you're, I'm going to do something to piss you off and you're going to throw me under the bus, which is not the way you want to position an agency. You never want to talk about the work outside of the, you know, within your, you know, within your own walls, right? The fact that she quoted page numbers of pitch decks and, and actually called them out specifically on it doesn't do anybody any good. It certainly doesn't do them any good from a client perspective. So I don't buy the whole poor ad agencies don't get enough credit for the work that they do. That's what the money is for. That, and so the key for me is, yes, Armstrong's an ass for saying agencies wouldn't do this, but just shut up. Nobody asked. 
right? Nobody asked about this stuff. And again, I know that's an unpopular opinion because agencies should get credit. But I would just say, okay, who who got the credit for the Apple 1984 ad, right? Who who you know who should who should get the credit for the 1984 ad? One of the best, most recognized ads of all time, mm-hmm. right? Who gets the credit for that? Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs gets the credit does, yeah. for that. And of course, it was Shiat Day, but it wasn't even Shiat Day. It was a freelance copywriter and another guy at Shiat Day who actually did the actual work, who actually came up with the concept. And then it was actually, uh, you know, Ridley Scott who actually shot the thing. And, actually, you know, so who should get the credit there? Is it Ridley Scott? Is it the, the copywriters? You know, the, and, and by the way, it was from an original, the original idea was a print ad. So anyway, the, 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 the point is all of this is that it's, you know, that let the work speak for itself and, and just shut up. I, I just don't, I just don't see the, 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 the controversy here. Now, I'm going to pair that with my rave really quickly here. I'm just going to mention it. My rave, I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live, but there was a sketch that they didn't air for time, and it was one of these fake commercials. And the fake commercial, it was for the Fisher-Price White Guys podcast set. And it's a just brilliant. We'll link it in the show notes, obviously, but you can also just Google it. The, it's this Fisher-Price. It's basically white guys on podcasts who will literally let any dumb thing come out of their mouth. And, and there's a shot of, you know, it's John Mulaney down in his basement with this Fisher-Price podcast set. Podcasting I love to it. No it doesn't record anything. <laughs> it doesn't record anything. It lets you say any, even the N word. You know, it's like, uh. So I'm pairing my rant with this rave because any dumb white guy can say anything on a podcast, and I probably just did. So just take it all into consideration that I'm very self aware about the actual rant this week. Um, and there you go. That's what I got the, to say. The, the, it's a three minute SNL sketch that, that's worth It's so good. It's worth so watching. good. There's a lot of scary truth in in that as well. And yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Exactly what you said. So but yeah. I'm glad you yeah, I yeah. didn't know that was yeah, I didn't know John Mulaney was back and that he uh Oh he had a whole thing in his intro. His intro I did watch the you know, I did watch the intro. Did, yeah. when he when he talks about his intervention, he's like when he when I walked in the door and I saw all my friends, including those on Zoom I knew right away it was an intervention. <laughs> Did he say something? Of course, I gave nobody them gets heck together on, for me. I like gave them that. heck on Zoom because they couldn't be there in person. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Am I not important enough? Is my drug problem That's not right. important enough for you to be here in person? <laughs> exactly. I thought that was pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, very exactly. funny stuff. Very funny stuff. All right, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, CEX uh, working, <laughs> closing. Closing down sponsorship, so we've got a couple weeks left in that, and we'll be on site in a few weeks checking out, you know, making sure everything's good. And of course, another reason to to get into the sunshine and away from cold Cleveland weather. Although it's getting better, it was it's supposed to be sixty this week, which will probably happen for five minutes, and then that will be it. So, what do you got planned this week? Uh, this week, I am all about CMI University. Um, I have finished my. Uh, new curriculum nice. for 2022. Yeah, clocking in at a gorgeous 325 slides. Yeah, holy so, oh crap! My gosh, it's it's Are a lot sure of work. Sure, that's the right it's number. Been, it's maybe 275. It's been a lot of work. I actually made it. No, I actually made it 325 on purpose. It was actually 324, and then I just added like an extra summary slide just so that it would be 325. Um, <laughs> but 
<laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a, I'm just going to say it's been a shit ton of work and, um, but I'm super proud of it. I'm really, really, really proud of it. So I got to record all the videos. I got to record all the videos this weekend and, and get it ready to rock and roll because it needs to get launched. It's already late. Um, and so, yeah, wow, that's, that's, that's a lot of work. Weekend. That yeah. is a lot of works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to get to that and you're going to get to closing some deals here and we're going to sign off until next week. And, uh, in the meantime, we, uh, like I said, we'll put all the show notes in the, in the, on the page on our wonderful little website at this old site. If you haven't been there, get over there, uh, leave us a review, share it with somebody. We're trying to grow this audience. Um, and if hopefully you like what we're doing over here and basically two dumb white guys, <laughs> Talking into a Fisher Price podcast set. Just love, I might have to get one. I want to try and get one because they're just so great. Anyway, get on over to our thisoldmarketing.site site. Remember the Twitter questions and comments. Hashtag us up on Twitter. We love that. We love the story ideas. Um, best wishes, warm wishes, love, and safety to all of you uh, in Ukraine um, out there. And we're hoping that this ends very quickly. Otherwise, until we meet again next week, remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Mark.